Hello, this is Tommy Keen, and you're listening to WESU Middletown. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Chocolate Cake. My name's Rob, and I'll be with you for the next couple hours. Tonight, we're going to do something a little different than what we normally do. Normally, I just bring you two hours of power pop, grip pop, singer-songwriters, and we are going to get to some of that a little bit later. But before we do that, first, I'm going to bring you something that was pretty special. It was definitely a very cool thing for me to be able to do. About a little less than two months ago, I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to interview one of my all-time favorite power pop artists, a real giant of the genre, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Tommy Keene. I went down to see him in Hoboken, New Jersey, and before the concert, he and I sat down and talked for about half an hour and had a really great time interviewing him. So I want to play that for you tonight and intersperse with that. I also want to play you some of his uh, great music. Maybe you don't know his stuff, but he's got a career that goes back 30 years um, in creating some of the finest modern-day power pop that's available. And his, uh, among those artists out there who count themselves as admirers of Tommy King's work include Jim Blossoms and the Goo Goo Dolls, Velvet Crush, Paul Westerberg, Robert Pollard of Guided by Voices, just to name a few. Uh, Tommy's a real giant of the genre. He's got a new album out on Second Motion Records. It's called In the Late Bright. And throughout the show tonight, we're going to listen to some stuff from that, as well as some uh, live tracks that you can't get anywhere else. Tommy was also kind enough to let me record the concert in Hoboken. We're going to listen to one or two songs from that and a bunch of other stuff from his long-storied career. Before we get into the interview, we're going to start off with something from his new album, In the Late Bright. This song is called Realize Your Mind. Everything you think is worth remembering. Midnight rambles and in shambles, try and take the highest road this time. You won't be late. Feel so separate. What's a rough night on the ocean? Coming down with no one in a music room Walk away every time you try and realize your mind is found once more Searching out the cure Have one on the city sometimes Stretching out to where your love lies A crazy surprise Finds a way Every time you try And realize your mind Down on the line I'll leave another time So shake your feet now 
around, I think it was around the time of Isolation Party, you had been giving interviews saying that maybe you thought it was time to hang it up and call it quits, and luckily for those of us who like your stuff, you haven't done that. What was, what's kind of been responsible for your renewed, I don't know, is it a, is it a renewed interest, or is it just a, just, you know, habit that you just kept making records? And... Yeah, it's actually, it's more of a habit, I would say, as mm-hmm. in what else would I do? Um, actually, I'm kind of feeling that again, that way again. Um, it's just tough, you know. Um, I put out so many records in every review. Is this guy's been around forever, and no one knows who he is, so it gets a little wears down a little bit. Um, most of the reviews I get are positive or good reviews, but it just seems sometimes like not banging your head against the wall, as you can imagine. So. Um, but really what I'm doing it for is for myself, to amuse myself, basically. It sounds really um, gratuitous, or, but it is, actually. Um, I enjoy making records. I enjoy playing live when things are relatively uh, running smoothly and people are there to see the shows. And when you get to a point where there's no one coming to see the shows, it's just sort of ridiculous to tour, and it costs a lot of money, and we lose, we always lose a lot of money. So I would say I'd continue to, to make records, but as far as touring, I just unless something happens, I just can't see it continuing. I mean, I would play maybe in New York, Los Angeles, D.C., and Chicago, but as far as you know, going all other places in the country, it just doesn't make sense at this point. Yeah, I mean, you've been a, um, I know the, the, the friend of mine who actually turned me on to your stuff, uh, she's out in Seattle, and she always complains that she has to... Marina? <laughs> yeah, Marina. She's yeah, awesome. Yeah, she, she's, she flew to Chicago to see us. Yeah, um, she, she and I, we grew up together. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she, yeah, she, she turned me on to your stuff around. Oh, wow. I think around the time, based on Happy Times. I wish I had 10,000 more people like her. <laughs> I could actually make a living. The world would be a better place. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Where, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, she... She, you know, always complains that she's got to get on a plane to see you. You, you typically don't do much touring out west, right? It's well, we, we play L.A. and San Francisco, but it's really a hike up to Portland, Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just never had an audience up there. I've played Portland, Seattle a couple times each, and uh, uh, it just hasn't been worth it. Yeah. Do you, put it bluntly. Do you I think mean, if it was closer to Los Angeles where I live, it would, it would, mm-hmm. that, it would be okay, but... It's like driving from Florida to Maine. People don't realize that. Right. I mean, it's a long, it's the other coast, and it goes way up. Seattle's right up by Canada. Mm-hmm. L.A. is down by you know, Mexico. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just the distances make it very impractical unless you're making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think some of the the better audiences you get on in the East Coast just had to do with you started off in yeah, it's always D.C., mm-hmm. New York, Philly. Mm-hmm. We and when I first started putting out records, and we had big college records in the '80s, we had a big crowd in Boston. But that dissipated real quick, like in the '80s, you know, because they graduate and they go elsewhere. Right. <laughs> it's a very transient city, uh, fan-wise. But yeah, I, it's basically the D.C. area, um, the corridor there, New York, Philly, D.C., Baltimore. Uh, Chicago has also been a good mm-hmm. place. And since I live in L.A., it's, it's pretty decent right. to play. Um, but getting back to, I guess, you know, whether or not you're going to mm-hmm. soldier on, um, does, I mean, 
despite the fact that, like you said, you haven't been selling a ton of records that are drawing huge audiences. I mean, well, what each a- record sells less and less. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. the records, there's no record stores, there's no radio, there's mm, nothing. True. And, and a lot of people think, well, you know, it's a recession. Why should I buy a record when I get it for free? Mm. I mean, as a, it's collapsed right. the whole system every record I, I put out sells about half of the last one sold really yeah that's, uh, and, they, yeah, and they don't get any cheaper to make mm. either so but does I mean one of the things though is you seem to have a, within the power pop community you really seem to have a respect of your peers people like uh, Goo Goo Dolls or uh, Jim Blossoms Wilco yeah. uh, Velvet Crush obviously you know are all people who seem to yeah that's kind of kept me going I think yeah. Plus, being able to play with other people, Pollard, Westerberg, and Velvet Crush. Um, I went, but I went out with Bob last fall, and his his crowds, you know, getting smaller too. It's just people getting older. You know, my crowd is an older crowd, and they've got kids, and they got to pay for babysitters. And there's just so many variables that makes it impossible then for them to get out to the show. You know, unless it's a Friday or Saturday night and they can put the kids with the mother-in-law. Right. <laughs> right? So, I don't know. Yeah. People make exceptions for Bruce Springsteen or, <laughs> or uh, Metallica, but, you know, it's that's that's once a year. Right. I think exactly. so. The beach went out before too long We came into view Lights would flash The wind would dash Down 7th Avenue The last couple records, the new one, the one with Pollard and uh, Crashing the Ether, you seem to be, uh, other than having John playing the drums, you seem to be concentrating on doing the majority of, majority of the instruments yourself as opposed to having a you know, full band in the studio. Right. Is, is that just out of, you know, I know you've been recording at home, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that just because you're at home and it's easy to just pick up and... Yeah, and it's, it's free, and I can do it any time of the day, and, uh, and in the past, you, you go to a studio and do overdose. Crazy, because the clock's running and you're just seeing one mic in your compressor. Technology has advanced so much that you can do everything at home except for drums, recording drums, and mixing. Mm-hmm. But you still have to pay really good guys to mix your songs, and that's still not cheap. Right. And mastering is not cheap. Um, but yeah, I, I actually I, I started playing bass when I got my studio set up in 02, and I found that I really enjoyed it, and I was always felt really un- underconfident as a bass player. But I can't play bass; I'm a guitar player. But I have to say that Brad Quinn's been playing with me for 20 years. In fact, we played our first show ever together here 
exactly 20 years ago at Maxwell's. The Basement Habitat Tour started off here. Hmm. And it was March 30th, 89, and now here we are, April 30th, 09. Oh, wow. I'd throw yes. that in there. But anyway, I found that I really liked my bass playing. Brad's a great bass player, and I've had other people play bass on the records. They're real good. Jake Bennett played a lot of bass. But it's really nice to... Uh, I sort of mastered the instrument in, enough to play my songs, and I can always play what I always wanted to hear on the bass guitar in my song because I don't tell people what to play. I don't say no, and that part I want you to know. Do, 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 do. So it's really gratifying. So I really enjoy it. And then I've always played keyboards and I play out with guitars, mm-hmm. and I get people in the sing and stuff. Um, it's it's more convenience than I, I'm not trying to do a Prince thing, right? <laughs> you know, play everything that gets really boring. I always have to get up, like uh, have other people on there um, to get some of their personality into the record because it just doesn't seem as static as when one guy does everything. Mm-hmm. Um, on the new album, it seems maybe I'm reading more into it than is there, but it seems like there's a lot mm-hmm. of. Uh, Evening, nighttime type imagery on the record. Yeah. Late, bright, tomorrow's gone tonight, nighttime crime scene. Is right. there is there some sort of train of thought running through it, or is, is that just. Well, I think it was in the environment it was created in. It was by myself, kind of solitary, late night, definitely a night owl. I mean, I definitely, if I had my druthers, would sleep all day, unless there was something really fun happening. But um, I'm just a, a night owl and. Uh, I kind of wrote that song, and um, I kind of used to, you know, as younger I used to go, go out every night, mm-hmm. and the older I get, I just find I'm more content to stay at home and enter, amuse myself, rather than thinking I'm missing out on something. So in the first song, there's a line, the nighttime world has lost its appeal, which sort of sums up kind of where I'm at right now, and I'm content to sit at home and muck about my, with my toys and instruments. Mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. and amuse myself on the subject of your lyrics one of the things I've noticed in a lot of interviews with you compared to maybe you know interviews with the people who I know you've cited as influences people like Spring Singer Townsend you know, when, when interviewers talk to Spring Singer Townsend they, there's a lot of talk about lyrics and meaning of songs and whatever and it's not something that ever seems to be brought up too much in interviews with you is that are you not comfortable talking about them, or is it? No, 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 no. Do people just not ask? <laughs> I just don't think I have an agenda like those guys mm-hmm. do. I just try to write good pop lyrics. I don't consider myself a poet, and I think mm-hmm. most people do. Springsteen always has an agenda, mm-hmm. whether it's his personal escape from Jersey, or it's political, or Townsend to a certain extent too. I think he sees himself more in a literary fashion, sort of. Like he wrote a rock opera. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really a Dylan-type singer-songwriter, so I don't think people kind of go there. I don't think people think my lyrics are that deep or that important to, you know, go there. Yeah, I mean, because... I mean, <laughs> and I, they're really not. I mean, I do agree. I, I don't... I mean, I'm not really known for my lyrics. I think I write pretty good pop lyrics, but mm-hmm. I'm not a poet. Right. I mean, is that why... I mean, I think... Just running through my mind here, I think... Based on Happy Times is, I think, the only album of yours where you actually printed lyrics on the sleeve. Right? Yeah, and that was more the record company guy wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that comfortable with doing it, but I, I used to go along with whatever people said. Right. And then they t- told me I was difficult <laughs> for, for doing that. <laughs> you know, it can't win. Turn it down The mattress rips You can't be sure 
Secret Life of Stories from the new Tommy Keene CD, In the Late Bright, out now on Second Motion Records. 
We're going to get back to our interview with Tommy Keene right after this. It's a new year, but is it really about a change? Now, I understand the tragic history between the United States and tribal nations. Indian nations have never asked much of the United States, only for what was promised by treaty obligations made to their forebears. So let me be absolutely clear. I believe treaty commitments are paramount law, and I will fulfill those commitments as President of the United States. Tune in to Indigenous politics from Native New England and beyond to find out each Tuesday at 4 p.m. here on WESU. Hundreds of thousands of tigers used to roam Asia's forests. Fewer than 7,000 remain. Imagine, tigers could become extinct. Visit the Five Tigers website or call 1-800-5-TIGERS. Hello, this is Robin Zanner from Cheap Trick for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. Two things that don't mix are drinking and driving. If you've been drinking, don't drive. Be smart. Choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, and the National Association of Broadcasters. I was abandoned in the woods. I was found by a stray pack of Moody Blues albums and raised as one of their own. We hunted the skittish Jethro Tull and drank from the crystal waters of Pink Floyd. At night, we howled at the bright Bob Dylan in the sky until the rhythms of distant Metallica drove us into our caves. We called it Wonderland, and they called me DJ Cheshire Cat. Find us every Sunday night from 10.30 to midnight, only on 88.1 WESU Middletown. Hello, this is Tommy Keene, and you're listening to WESU Middletown. Welcome back to Chocolate Cake and our exclusive interview with Tommy Keene. Now, earlier you heard Tommy mention that Jay Bennett, best known as a member of the band Wilco, had played on several albums for Tommy. And unfortunately, Jay Bennett tragically passed away a couple weeks ago at the age of 45. So I think the next thing we're going to listen to is a commercially unavailable live recording of Tommy Keene that was recorded here in Connecticut at Trinity College in Hartford back in 1996. This was the first concert of the tour to promote the album 10 years after, and Jay Bennett joins Tommy's band as the second guitarist. We're going to listen to a live version of Tommy's classic, Places That Are Gone. Looking ahead at 
Before you knew me well, 
Thanks a lot. See you again. In addition to the albums you've been putting out on your own, you've been working with a whole bunch of other people like Pollard and Westerberg and Velvet Crush. Um, do you prefer, you know, I'm trying to think how to put it. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I know what you mean. I like to do both. Yeah. Um, I would always like to do both because I, I started out playing drums mm-hmm. in bands and then I, I wound up doing the rhythm guitar and then I was playing the lead guitar, writing the songs and then I became the front man, which to me I never expected to be. I thought... I'd form my own band, which I did when I was 22, 23, and it would just be sort of a gimmick, because I thought my voice was kind of different, mm-hmm. and distinctive, and I didn't know it would last. I don't know if I'd be still doing it 20, you know, six years later or whatever. Um, but I've, I still like to play with other people, and especially when I like their songs. I don't think a lot of people could do that, like the people I play with, because they're... I don't think they could relinquish the control I, mm. I like that it's very freeing it's such it's so much less stressful and you're up there and you're the lead singer and you don't know this till you do it but I remember the first time I ever did it I got really nauseous because you're up there and you're you're just singing 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 and then when you stop singing you have to talk then you have to sing 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 <laughs> and you, this voice in your head starts saying talking to you while you're doing this like, uh-oh, here comes that part. You're going to miss this up. You're going to not hit that note. <laughs> and it's a really terrifying thing. <laughs> and there's no break from it either. Um, so, but I do I do enjoy it. I, I, the first couple of years I was playing live, I was just terrified. I think I had to do, take a quaalude every night to, to just get through it <laughs> when there were such things. <laughs> and uh, there's Brad, the bass player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and I got comfortable, but I still love playing with other people, and and I love just playing guitar. And the real fun thing was the first tour with Bob Pollard. I also played keyboards, and I hadn't done that since I was a teenager. So I'd play a little guitar bit, I'd, and I keep the guitar on, and go to the keyboards, sit down, with the keyboards get up, sit down. You know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you've, uh, I think, yeah, every time I've seen you, I mean, even though you have some keyboards spread out through the records, you never bring a keyboard player on the road. It's uh, no. I don't know if we... I mean, if the production expanded and we moved up to theaters or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keyboards on my records have always been kind of... Kind of uh, just little... atmospheric touches and stuff. I mean, I've written very few songs on the piano. All right. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, we've been talking that you've been doing it. I mean, I think you were... I mean, the first record release you ever had was probably uh, the the single with the Raz, right? Which was probably like 79, I think, right? Or something like that? 70... Yeah, I guess not until 79. Yeah, so it's... You've been, I joined them in 78. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically you've been putting out records for 30 years. Um, and God, I, yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen one of your titles on 8-track, but you've pretty much gone through... Yeah. <laughs> you've pretty much gone through everything I else. Mi- I miss the 8-track yeah. era. Yeah, you've pretty much gone through... You know, every other format mm-hmm. being the. I mean, when you started, vinyl was a prominent format, then cassette took over, then CD took over, and now right. MP3. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard some artists, uh, like Peter Gabriel in particular, is very anti MP3, saying that, you know, I spend all this time in my studio I trying agree. to make something that sounds really great. I agree. And then just crush it down to, you know. Oh, it's horrendous. Um, just, you know, people, it's just the convenience. I mean, I had an iPod and it broke, and I was glad. I mean, right now, somebody in the in the band, we're, we're sitting there 
listening to his whole record collection for the last 5,000 miles, which is a little bit much to throw on people, right? <laughs> I mean, if, they wouldn't listen to my record collection, I'll tell you that. But, uh, no, I, I, it was interesting. Um, when I first realized how crappy MP3 sounded, sound is when we were mixing Crash in the Ether, and a guy in L.A., Walt Vincent, was mixing at his house, and he, I didn't have to go over there. He would just uh, send me the song, and I'd you know, upload it and burn it, and I'd go down to my stereo, and I'd, I'd play it, and I'd say, oh, you know, the vocals, turn this up, turn this down. So I, got, I had all these you know, CDRs of MP3s mm -hmm. off the internet. And I was like, okay, well, this sounds pretty good. And then when we got into the uh, mastering place and I heard the, the the real thing, especially in that mastering place, which had, of course, amazing equipment, I just couldn't believe the difference. Mm -hmm. It just blew my mind. So, yes, MP3s are horrendously crappy sounding. But, you know, it's people don't care. Yeah, it's uh, you know, they download things off the web or they whatever in their iPod and they walk around. That's what they listen to. Yeah, I'm surprised because you know down at the radio station that I'm at, so you know got a lot of college kids doing shows, and mm -hmm. I can tell the difference. You know, oh, just, you, just they play yeah, just yeah, driving oh, around, really? driving yeah. around. You know, you've got the old guy in his, you know, the old hippie in his 50s who does his show entirely from vinyl right, and, right, and then right. it's followed by a 19 year old kid who's doing their show all oh, from mp3s that's and funny even over the m over, over the fm frequency you oh, can yeah. really hear the difference yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, especially if you know the song yeah exactly um on the digital thing though um i most of your fans know you're quite a photography buff the a lot of the photos on the albums are ones mm -hmm. you've taken yourself i read somewhere where you said that you prefer uh film over over yeah, digital these digital cameras are terrible <laughs> it's like everyone has one right. you know and you start seeing these pictures on the web with flash and they just make they just look terrible I'm, yeah I I don't bring my 35 millimeter out on the road anymore because it's just I've got so much to deal with carrying stuff around but mm -hmm. and it just seems like I'm a dinosaur I mean it's like where can you even buy film anymore <laughs> um, but yeah I, I uh, the digital thing it's just like it's just a you know, it's like the Instamatic of, you know, the counterpart to the Polaroid or the Instamatic. It's just convenience. That's all mm -hmm. we're talking about. People just get lazy. They want this, they want this. You know. mm -hmm. The music like that, and camera, you know, whatever. You, yeah. know. you don't have to worry about developing a bad shot. You right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just instant gratification. Mm -hmm. That's what we come to. Right. How, do, how do you feel that uh, translates into making records? I mean, uh, it's... You know, it's rare these days that anybody makes an album, records an album, records an album in analog. Everybody's using. I mean, I assume you've got some sort of. I think most people do still, and I would. Yeah, what they do is they. I would be. I, you know, I could have found. A, we just played Atlanta, and this friend of mine is works for that producer Brendan O'Brien, and I was mm -hmm. asking him about Springsteen. Springsteen done, done his last three records there. Was that mm -hmm. right? yeah. yeah. And I, I think what most people do still. Um, you know, rock bands and people that care about this stuff is they they have two inch tape. They they re they record the drums on the two inch tape and they throw it into the uh, Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. So you've still got the the drums, or or if they're they're worried about you know vocals or acoustic guitars, where you know obviously the tape sounds better than digital. Th that I think everyone still does that, but then they throw it all into the computer. And then they don't have to keep rewinding the tape and stuff, mm -hmm. which was, you know, a problem. So, yeah, I, th I think most big studios, big producers still use it. You know, they have their little stash, 
of two inch tape, mm-hmm. analog tape, and f- they use it for what they, what it benefits it the most, you know, drums, acoustic stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a little bit of both. I, I know, I'm sure like hip hop and stuff like that, it's all digital, all right. <laughs> you know, but rock, you know, kind of classically oriented rock, you know, like Springsteen or a Sheryl Crow, I'm sure mm-hmm. she does that, or you know what I'm talking about. Right, uh, yeah. Dylan or, mm-hmm. you know, probably older people, you know, the young kids probably know, but I still think it's very prevalent. Well, what about you, though? In, in your home studio, are you used no, I No, I have mm-hmm. a, uh, a 24, at least it's a 24-track uh, hard drive, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just so easy. You just, you know, it's like, <laughs> you just, I have a board, and I have one really good mic pre-compressor and one really good microphone. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, it, yeah. If I could, I would use two-inch tape. But then you're talk, talking about paying, you know, eight hundred thousand dollars a day for a studio, and yeah. that's that's just really just adds up. Money. And it's, I don't have a budget, and mm-hmm. I have to pay for everything myself. So. Holding on, I'll find you in the early bright, hanging out alone. I've got a
getting back to your lyrics we were talking about um our like uh, we were talking about Springsteen and Townsend and I know both of them a lot of times right from more personal experiences whereas someone like maybe uh, Randy Newman or Warren Zevon a lot of times would create characters and you know fictionalize mm -hmm. things where does does your stuff come from more of a personal place or is it it used to I've really switched I'm tired of writing about myself or putting myself in a song and then kind of fictionalizing it as in something that, that happened to me and then I use that as the inspiration or the cornerstone of the idea for the song and then I kind of fill in the dots Late, last couple records I've gotten away from that and I'm just I'm writing more just about observing things and other people and situations not characters as much as say a Warren Zevon and stuff but I, more in the third person more about those people over there what they're doing what I you know what I think of them and that's something I wanted to get away from that sort of romantic pop love song thing which I'm mm. um, I just picked up from the Beatles because that's all the Beatles ever wrote about until they got to, you know, Sgt. Pepper's. Right. It was all about the girlfriend or whatever. That just really, I think, overly influenced me, and I just said, I gotta stop this because <laughs> um, it's just not that interesting after a while. But even with that, though, I mean, a lot of your stuff kind of has a, a bit of a darker edge to it than one would typically associate with most power pop acts. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I'm 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 sort of a I'm a real tenacious person and kind of hang on to stuff for a long time but I'm also very kind of a pessimist so it depends on what day you catch me and I think the li I, I, my, I think lyrically my whole uh, bent has been I'm not going to count on anything to happen and if it does I'll be pleasantly surprised <laughs> you know that's the way I've always been with my career and stuff so I think that seeps a lot seeps into the lyrics a lot mm -hmm. you know, the sort of despair <laughs> hopelessness um, which is uh, life really, right yeah you know? I mean unless you're blessed on the totally opposite end uh, the new album you've actually got something that you know I don't know if you've ever done it before uh, maybe uh, with the exception of something on the uh, yeah not the driving into the sun uh, the, the uh, real underground album uh, you've, mm -hmm. you've got one instrumental track which is all right, right, right. which is I, re I, I really about that so yeah, it's not yeah, the first yeah. instrumental track you're yeah, right yeah there was like the, what was uh, it, the people with fast cars right right, past, right. right. okay yeah. well everyone yeah. said this is the first time you've done instrumental it's not yeah well that's that's an example of I've always done little things like this and I always want to make, I'm going to make a whole record like this probably mm -hmm. you know it might be the next record I think it'll have some vocals some guitars some couple you know standard songs but a lot of it's just going to be pieces like this sort of atmospheric and uh, moody and, and just interesting kind of things because um, I, I, I really enjoy that stuff um, you don't always have to have someone caterwauling along <laughs> do you know what I mean right, for something yeah. to be really interesting yeah I mean it's a great sounding track and a really kind of so yeah, where, it's, where it, it comes in in the album, it's really yeah, it's you know, and everyone talks about it. So maybe I'll, I'll do a little record like that. It's a good splits up the record right mm -hmm. in the middle. I didn't want to put it at the end. That mm -hmm. would that would just be too uh, typical. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those uh, scoop albums that Townsend put out. He's got like this like five minute just synthesizer noodling thing, and in the liner notes he said that he's got hundreds and hundreds of those recorded and you right. know, just sitting in the vault do you have a whole bunch of those just sitting around that you've taped uh, over some not mm. not a whole bunch mm. I, I think if you go back through a bunch of tapes there's always some, some bits like that um, on my writing tapes which just, are just little cassettes mm. so that's how I write I just turn the thing on and I just start playing guitar 
and if I if I come on come across something I think is interesting and it's going to turn into a song then I start the tape I have it right there because I don't want to forget it if I just stumble upon something so I think if you went back and I never go back and listen to those tapes I've got thousands <laughs> well hundreds of them um, if I went back and did that I would probably find some interesting bits in there that's what Bob Pollard does he, you know and a lot of the, that's why he, he write he, he, you think he writes so many songs he goes back through all his tapes since, oh, the, yeah. since the like <laughs> late 70s mm. and that, he'll take his, he'll take an idea and that'll be on his new album yeah mm. okay. and no one ever talks about that like are we so prolific well that's because he sort of goes back yeah. into his own archives mm. and mm. raids them okay yeah because yeah, he's, cause he's, people think he just comes up with 10 songs a day he yeah. doesn't he you know he comes up with two but then you know yeah. he he rescues five more well, either way he's been bankrupting me by bankrupting me by putting out a CD every two months yeah I know thank it's god like, I get him free <laughs> I'd be bankrupt too it's like eight in the last eight months yeah no, it's yeah like two Boston <laughs> Spaceships albums and there's a new now there's a Boston Spaceship double live album coming out okay. oh are you gonna be on that Is yeah it's that? Vi- oh. vinyl only oh cool for okay. a show in Atlanta last fall oh wow. I haven't heard it yet Wavy Davies on the slip Took his world and ran with it By the farm eventually He was only fallen free Half stiffed and in the way Dip your bill, you're gonna stay Baby John's worth half an hour Until the deal goes sour you're just not a do-right man Break on through, I understand Will you save this harmony For a lifetime, let it be And if nothing comes to be Will you save this harmony You're a panic while I'm here And the muse becomes so clear Deal around me while you work I'll take all your seconds first And if I'm an upright guy Top sister, tell me Flash the welcome sun and go 
I can't think of, you know, in all the reviews I've seen of you in like the last 15 years, you know, usually I, I, I can't think of one where it's been a negative review where someone's been panning you. Um, there's been a couple, there's been yeah. some, yeah. Uh, but the, the one thing that I remember was when you put out a um, merry-go-round broke down mm-hmm. and you had the 17 minute track on it, the final hour. Um, a, a lot of the reviews, I noticed a lot of the critics were kind of perplexed, you know, the, the idea of a 17 minute song just seemed to freak them out. Were you, were you surprised at that sort of reaction I mean no ma- maybe not at all because I have the same reaction now why why did I do that <laughs> you, yeah. it was just something I thought would be cool mm-hmm. and it was an, it's something different and mm-hmm. it was an experiment and mm-hmm. something I, can I pull this off <laughs> and uh, it, man, man was that expensive think about <laughs> think about overdubbing on a 17 minute song think about mixing it takes you 18 minutes to try attempt a mix and then you got to rewind it, and that was on two inch tape. Mm-hmm. That that song bankrupt, bankrupted me. Really? That, man, that that album was so expensive, and it was way too long. It was over an hour long. I just don't think records, you know, or should be that long. I think records should be 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it seems like with the CD revolution, everybody yeah, everyone, everyone everybody makes I everybody makes that. a seventy minute album. Now, yeah, so. well, I, I stopped doing that because it's just too much attention to demand from people. Yeah, I mean, even as like as, as much as I love someone like Springsteen, you know, by the time the Rising album hit the seventy minute mark, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, no Bruce, one's that good. <laughs> yeah, no one's that good. And how many double albums really are that great? Yeah, I mean, back back in the seventies, if somebody put out a double album it was an event you know and but those and, double and, albums weren't that long yeah, those true. double albums were, yeah. were about an hour yeah because you had like 15 16 minutes aside yeah. but um i mean you know even exile has some crappy songs on mm. it um that's probably everyone's favorite double album right or london calling mm. yeah for me it's quadrophenia <laughs> yeah that's yeah or tommy mm. yeah um yeah so uh yeah, I, I don't know why Mary Garambro I, I think that was just a failed experiment And I see, yes, it was influenced by a quick one yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I figured it wasn't Tales from Topographic Oceans No, <laughs> it was just trying to do a little plot And I and I just, I don't think I pulled it off To be honest with you I, Actually, I think it's great I mean, one of, actually, one of the best places for me Is I find it's a great workout song when when I'm when I'm on the treadmill, that's or on, right. On the you know, machine. you got 17 minutes. Yeah, right? it's yeah. A, I mean, power pop for me is actually the worst thing to listen to when I'm so working short, out because right. I have this mental thing of like, oh, another song, another song, another right. song, and if right. I put, if I put final hour followed by you know the my generation from live at Leeds, you know, yeah, that's 30 minutes. <laughs> that's 30 or minutes. 35 the, minutes, yeah, right there, yeah, you're done. The workout's over after the second yeah, song. Yeah, that's a cool. Thing, but. I, mean, I never thought about that. <laughs> Some people do like it. There's a, um, a guy in Boston at a, a college station that. 
he played it and I guess I, I saw it or he wrote to me and said I, I played the final hour I played it about four times I said really so in 04 we were up in for GBV on their final tour at the Paradise in Boston and I went by and, and did an interview with him so some people liked it but most people didn't they didn't get it you know, yeah. and I just did this interview I don't know if you read it but the guy was asking me to critique my records and and I said that uh, the two records that I'm not happy with are my very first one Strange Alliance because it, I just hadn't found my voice and, and I was just sort of getting started and Mary Garant broke down because I think it's really very generic sounding and I just played it too safe aside from Final Hour being sort of ambitious that record to me it's got a lot of very I, I just don't like the songs on it plus I had a really bad experience with the record label put that out and it completely ripped me off and I want to kill them <laughs> but uh, God, some people you know, and, you know everyone's like indie you know indie labels are worse than major labels really yes they're more crooks hmm. yeah Oh, I wouldn't have because that. you know they 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 don't put that much into it, and then they don't have to pay you because they realize that no matter what kind of contract you sign, if you want to sue them, it's going to cost you about what they owe you, mm-hmm. and most people can't afford that. And but if you're if you're going to take on a major label, they've got all their butts covered, and it's a lot easier to go after a major label than it is an indie label because they're so fly by night. Mm-hmm. Indie labels, you know, most of them are started off by guys with trust funds. Like, I've always wanted to have my own record label. <laughs> no, I can. Hello. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. I'm still a loser. <laughs> but, uh, you say what? Oh, sorry. No, it's right. uh, Um, yeah, I guess, uh, I'll just, one more question. Okay. Uh, you, you've, uh, in interviews in the past, you've talked about how record companies tend to avoid power pop in general um, because it's not the most commercially viable uh, yeah, genre out there right do, I mean why do you think that is I mean it's, I mean, the thing that perplexes me about it is kind of like the first power pop bands were like the Kinks the Who and the Beatles who were some of the biggest bands right, ever right. but it's, you, well what? if you look at it historically it's just gotten worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. I mean Elvis Costello doesn't sell records anymore mm-hmm. he's power pop Pete Townsend if you put out a solo record wouldn't sell Ray Davies records don't sell mm-hmm. Robin Hitchcock records don't sell um, Bob Pollard's records don't sell not to be Mr. Negative but Power Pop was the blueprint for rock and roll well not rock and roll which was you know Elvis and Little Richard and stuff but uh, for uh, the Beatles were the Beatles were first and then you had the Kinks and the Who and the Stones Stones were blues based but the Beatles and the Who and the Kinks and a handful of other bands you know the Birds well Dylan Zombies you know it's all kind of mixes in together but that re- that type of music has become less and less popular steadily over the last 45 years mm-hmm. and you know in 1982 or 1979 1980 when all the the record major labels signed all the skinny tie new wave power pop bands none of them sold but the knack mm-hmm. and the knack were like were the worst of all of them but they had <laughs> one undeniably catchy um, single which mm-hmm. Was I mean you just yeah you, when you heard that song that was it, it was, you, there's no denying that song, so that left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths and the indie power pop thing never took off either, and it just 
it gets worse and worse and worse. And pop rock music doesn't sell records anymore. Bruce Springsteen, his latest record hasn't even gone gold. Mm. It's four hundred twenty thousand copies. Right. You know, so I don't. You know, it's a very valid point, but it's always been uh, diminishing returns year mm-hmm. after year, and I'm sort of way at the bottom of the food chain mm. of it. Gotcha. <laughs> but. I don't know. A lot of people still like it. They just mm-hmm. don't go out and buy it and support it. And mm-hmm. People write about it. You know, people still like it, but it's just not uh, not very. Uh, it's not producing any uh, financial dividends, right? And, which so is, to speak, <laughs> for anyone, right. and that's what makes the world right. go around. So exactly. Yeah. Well, people talk in another dimension. Oh, they don't always realize their intentions. You don't want to be somebody's hero now. You just want to get back to zero now. You stayed away, far from the maddening crowd. You tried to listen, but talking went too loud.
And that's going to bring us to the end of our special interview with Tommy Keene right here on 88.1 FM, WESU Middletown. That last track you heard was a live version of his classic Back to Zero Now that was recorded in Hoboken, New Jersey this past April on April 30th, 2009. Tommy was kind enough to allow me to record the concert, and I'm going to be bringing you the entirety of that concert next week on Chocolate Cake, so make sure you tune in for that. I want to say a big thank you to Tommy Keene for taking the time to sit down with me and have our little chat and for 30 years of amazing music. And hopefully there's a lot more coming from Tommy in the future. Like I said, that's going to do it for this special presentation of our interview with Tommy Keene. But that's not going to be the end of Chocolate Cake. We got a bit more to go. So don't touch that dial. We will be back in just a minute. Just going to take care of this. Join us Monday nights at the Witching Hour for two hours of stoner cosmic doom only on WESU Middletown. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne. For many years, you know I've had a drink problem and I'm I'm trying to battle that problem every single day. But one thing I don't do, I don't drive my car when I'm drinking. I get someone to drive me. Do not drink and drive. It's the stupidest thing. If you drink, just don't drive. Not only are you going to hurt yourself, you may hurt some other person and you wouldn't want that on your conscience, would you? A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council. Hello, this is Neil Flynn, and you are currently listening to WESU Middletown. Lucky you. In your community, there are children that play kickball, basketball, football, hide and seek, and other games outside after school. When you speed down the road, acting like it's a racetrack, you put these kids in risk for injury or worse. And we have seen it happen to one of our friends. One of our friends chased a ball into the street and was hit by a driver who was going too fast to stop. When you're driving a residential area, please be aware and alert. This has been a message from the youth of Middletown. Peace Peace out. Take a stroll down memory lane every Saturday morning with Larry, Moondog, Mike, and Big Al, your rock and roll pal, keeping oldies alive for over 25 years on the Moondog matinee, playing vintage doo-wop, rhythm and blues, and rock and roll from the early years every Saturday morning on the Moondog matinee from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WESU Middletown. And we're back right here on Chocolate Cake on 88.1 FM, WESU Middletown, WESUFM.org on the internet. For those of you streaming us live online, hope you just enjoyed that special with Tommy Keene. I made a screw up at the end there. I said that the uh, the live concert of Tommy's in Hoboken, I was going to air it next week. I'm actually going to air that two weeks from now because it just dawned on me, of course, that next week is our annual Frank Zappa marathon, something we've been doing for a few years now called 
Father's Day with the Mothers. It's going to kick off next Sunday at 8 p.m. And you're going to get a solid, oh, at least six hours of Zappa for Father's Day next Sunday night. So the Tommy Keen concert presentation will actually be two weeks from now. Anyway, um, till then, like I said, I've still got more chocolate cake to go. And we're just going to start right in with some new music. Uh, Wilco's got a new album out. It's called Wilco the Album. We're going to listen to the first single from it. This is called You Never Know. Yeah. 
never know the latest from Rhett Miller, a song called If It's Not Love. Rhett Miller is best known as a member of the band Old 97s. He's just released his third album. It's just called Rhett Miller. And like I said, the song we just heard called If It's Not Love. Before that, we heard the latest from Wilco. Their new album, Wilco, the album, is coming out at the end of the month. And we heard the first single called You Never Know. And normally, if those of you who listen to me regularly know that I like to play long sets of music without coming in and 
blabbering at you, um, but I'm coming in after only two songs because I realized there was something I wanted to do and I didn't do it and I want to do it before it gets too late. I mean, it already is rather late. It's 1.20 a.m. here on the East Coast, but um, we find ourselves uh, down here at the radio station in possession of some music to give away uh, like we sometimes are. And um, if you're a Power Pop fan, um, which I would think you would be if you're listening to this show. Um, you're probably a fan of The Replacements, and I have some replacement CDs to give away. Uh, last year, Rhino reissued a whole bunch of uh, albums from the band's catalog. All of them, all of these new reissues are packed with bonus tracks, and I have one of these CDs to give away, but um, I'm actually giving you a choice as to which one you want. I have... Uh, I have Please to Meet Me, Don't Tell a Soul, or All Shook Down. If you're a Replacements fan or you think you might be interested in checking out the Replacements um, and you would like one of those three albums, uh, please give me a call, 860-685-7700. First caller will get the Replacements CD of their choice from those three titles that I just named you. So like I said, numbers 860-685-7700. Uh, first caller gets one of those replacement CDs. Uh, until then, we're going to keep going on with the new music. This is something from a Connecticut band by the name of The Alternate Roots. They got a new album out called A Sucker's Dream, and we're going to hear a song called Ain't No Secret.
self-loathing And I am praying That you could make me good And so I fall upon your neck Just like a vampire Yeah, like a vampire Who faints at the sight of blood yourself to leftovers got a little surplus love and affection I'm getting cuddly so won't you cuddle me I could be your teddy bear oh yeah I know I ain't no eligible bachelor This is no mouth-watering proposition Make no mistake You're in big trouble little lady If we start to hug it and kiss it and kiss it Are you listening? Cause I told you
That's a song called What in the World by the Dukes of Stratosphere from their debut EP, 25 O'Clock. Now the Dukes of the Stratosphere, of course, are Britain's XTC in disguise as a 60s psychedelic rock band. And they released two titles under that moniker and both have just been reissued with bonus tracks from the very cool people at Ape Records. Before that, the latest from Jarvis Cocker, who's best known as the front man of the band Pulp. He's got a new album out called Further Complications. We heard a song called Leftovers. Before that, the Smithereens from their new album, The Smithereens Play Tommy, which, as the title suggests, is the Smithereens covering a whole bunch of songs from the Who's classic album Tommy. We heard their version of I'm Free. Before that, a request sending it out all the way down online down to Brooklyn for Larry, uh, who called up and said he wanted to hear the title track from Bowie's 75 classic Station to Station. Before that, new music from a new band out of Seattle called Barcelona. They got a new album out called Absolutes. We heard a song called It's About Time, and we started that set off with new music from a Connecticut band called The Alternate Roots. Their new CD is called A Sucker's Dream, and we heard a song called Ain't No Secret. Now, like I said, that last song was called What in the World, and what I have to say is what in the world is the world coming to when I can't give away free music at the last voice break? I told you, you know, give me a call. I've got these extra replacement CDs here. Um, and uh, if you want one of them, I'd be more than happy to give them to you. And the phone did not ring. So if you were one of those people maybe thinking, oh, I'll never be the first caller through. Um, well, you shouldn't have thought that because the phone didn't ring, hasn't rung, hasn't rung, rang, whatever. It's late. I can't think. Uh, all I know is the phone didn't ring. So I will put out one more plea well, request, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I shouldn't have to beg to give away music anyway, but I'll give you guys one more chance. The number down here to call, well, if you want a replacements album, I have copies of All Shook Down, Don't Tell a Soul, and Please to Meet Me. You could have one of those if you would like. Uh, the number down here to call for that is 860-685-7700. Give me a call. First caller who gets through uh, gets one of those albums. So, you know. Free music, folks. Can't beat it. Uh, worst thing it's going to do is, you know, you'll occasionally, you know, once a year get a letter in the mail from us saying, hey, why don't you donate? Which, you know, isn't a bad thing. So we, we don't pester you too much. So anyway, that's what you have to do. Give me a call. That's going to bring us to the end of Chocolate Cake. All Fins Considered is up next. We're going to go out with one more track. Latest from Robin Hitchcock and the Venus 3. Title track of their latest album. Good night, Oslo. Thank you to, for all of you. Thank you to all of those of you who have been listening. Hope you dug it. Stay tuned for All Fins Considered, and uh, otherwise, see you here next week. Have a good night, everybody.
I've got special powers That render me
Friend, and you are currently listening to WESU Middletown. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> 